0: Americans, I think, do not realize, as they did for most of our time, that we've got to fight for democracy every single minute. This is a year we may lose our democracy. We may lose all sorts of rights. This is not a moment to sit on the fence. This is not a dream. You are correct, historian Michael Beschloss. I hope America notices. I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how i get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am
1: stuck in the
0: middle with you uh, Yep From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is The Bradcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palenville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on our fine Internet affiliates, including... The Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, Sandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites, or at least most of them. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Don't look at me that way, Desi not <laughs> I say
1: it sometimes, too. Well,
0: that's good. You should.
1: Sometimes. All right. <laughs> anyway,
0: as we uh, welcome to the Bradcast, as we as we go to air today, voters in Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, South Dakota, and right out here in California are at the polls we are told for midterm super duper Tuesday primaries in seven states, full results are at least as full as available or at least uh, in any races we see as important in some fashion on tomorrow's broadcast. But despite voting in seven states on Tuesday, Uh, Here's the good news. I guess I've yet to see any major polling place problems with voting systems.
1: That is excellent news.
0: So far. Doesn't mean they aren't occurring. True. Just means I haven't been able to find any reports of them yet, which is hopefully a good sign, as I always warn, however sometimes it takes days or weeks or even longer before problems with voting systems do reveal themselves, as we are currently seeing in Georgia, which I, I sort of mentioned briefly yesterday in DeKalb County, where all manner of problems occurred with the county's uh, voting system database used with its 100 percent unverifiable, wildly vulnerable touchscreen ballot marking device or BMD voting systems. They were forced upon the county by Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensberger, who, by the way, programs all of the machines himself at the state level. Well, not personally, but it's done at the state level.
1: For the entire state.
0: For the entire state.
1: So that means any mistakes go across the entire state.
0: And it's, uh, by the way, it's only, I, I, it may be the only state that does that. I'm not sure. But, you know, Brad Raffensperger happens to be on the ballot himself this year, so it's convenient that he gets to control...
1: Every machine in the state.
0: Hey, there you go. Anyway, uh, in DeKalb County, Georgia, hand recounts were required. And it's one of the most Democratic-leaning counties in the state, but they had to have these hand counts after candidates' names had a- had failed to appear. On the ballot, on the touchscreen ballots, in some precincts, but not all. Some voters were not given the ballot for their proper districts after Georgia's recent redistricting slash gerrymandering following the 2020 census. And hand counts revealed that at least one candidate who originally came in third place actually qualified for a two-person runoff in the county. In other words, Raffensperger... And his lousy, Dominion-made computers failed, apparently, due to failed programming. And now other candidates around the state who lost their elections are asking for hand counts as well. Even though Georgia's new state law, adopted by its Republican legislature, And signed by its Republican governor, who used to be its former Republican secretary of state, Brian Kemp, do not allow hand recounts at all, at least without a judge's order, uh, nor any kind of recount at all, unless a race is closer than half a percentage point. But these problems in DeKalb County have made everyone else in the state wonder, hey, did we have similar problems on our systems? In short, it's a mess, uh, thanks to the new voting systems in Georgia. And yes, that's just one of the reasons why we covered Georgia so closely and why the Coalition for Good Governance's Marilyn Marks has long been suing the state to move to hand-marked paper ballots instead of the unverifiable, wildly vulnerable touchscreen systems that Raffensperger has forced on all voters at the polling place. But this is the problem with both computerized voting and computerized tabulation of our results, even when they are correct, it's very difficult for candidates and their supporters to know if it is correct. And that leads to all kinds of problems, some of which I hope to get into a little bit later in this program, uh, some Uh, newly startling material about what has gone on since the 2020 election and Donald Trump's lie about uh, it having been stolen from him. So in any event, yeah, things can go sideways in elections, even if the problems do not necessarily come to light on Election Day. In this case, in Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, South Dakota, and California, with their voting on Tuesday, we will hope such problems do not appear in the hours and days and weeks ahead, but we will be watching. In the meantime, we are still cleaning up from other midterm primaries passed from recent weeks, where a few elections are still not yet settled simply because they were reportedly so close. One that became settled-ish while we were out last week was a critical race in Pennsylvania, where, as the Philadelphia Inquirer's great political columnist Will Bunch notes today, "quote the multimillionaire celebrity doctor from New Jersey officially defeated the multimillionaire hedge fund CEO from Connecticut to become the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate from Pennsylvania."
1: Well defined, Will.
0: I would add to that uh, descriptor, by the way, of celebrity TV doctor Mehmet Oz, uh, now seen as the presumptive GOP nominee for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania, that he is not only the multimillionaire celebrity doctor from New Jersey, but also, as fun luck would have it, he's an actual citizen of Turkey. Yes, the America First Trump-endorsed Dr. Oz, in addition to not being an actual resident of Pennsylvania, also has not renounced his dual citizenship with Turkey, where, unbeknownst to the electorate until very recently, to whom Oz had declared he has no involvement in Turkish politics whatsoever, he was actually discovered to have voted in Turkish elections as recently as 2018. So that's kind of a weird choice for the GOP nominee to the U.S. Senate. But perhaps maybe not anymore in this day and age when
1: not for today's Republican Party.
0: Exactly. When loyalty to the U.S. seems sort of an optional thing, an optional characteristic at best for GOP politicians in the U.S., even those who declare themselves, ironically enough, to be, quote, America first. Uh, But, in fact, our friend Will Bunch is actually incorrect in that, at least as of airtime, Oz is not the official GOP nominee uh, for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania, even though his opponent, the hedge fund CEO multimillionaire from Connecticut, David McCormick, Did not actually, well, he did concede last week amid a recount in this very close race between him and Oz, but a concession is not an official act. It is just a courtesy. A concession, in fact, means nothing. It does not make the other guy or girl the official winner. The official winner is named when the state's automatic recount, in this case, is complete. In Pennsylvania, the recount, as I understand it, is done by machines, by computers, as opposed to by hand. So take these uh, recounted numbers for whatever they are worth. But as of Friday, yes, former hedge fund executive David McCormick conceded to TV doctor Mehmet Oz while the recount continued in the Pennsylvania Republican Senate primary. McCormick's unexpected concession happened... Uh, Days before the final tallies are set to be announced, but is seen as an apparent sign that McCormick believes he's fallen too far behind to make up the difference, at least as he saw it. McCormick said at a campaign party, according to AP, quote, it's now clear to me with the recount now largely complete that we have a nominee he said tonight is really about all of us coming together. Oz will face, uh, if in fact it becomes official, he will face Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman in the fall in one of the marquee races in a cycle that could swing Senate control, frankly, in either direction, as Democrats see the uh, seat in Pennsylvania being vacated by Retiring US, uh, Republican U.S. Senator Pat Toomey to be one of their most likely pickups this November as they try to increase their majority in a way that might overcome the deficit they face with obstructionist Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema who have by themselves Blocked What would have otherwise been a landmark progressive agenda from President Joe Biden and the entire rest of the Democratic Party, uh, their agenda in Congress. John Fetterman, for his part, has achieved something close to folk hero status in the Democratic Party, according to TPM's Kate Riga, with his unconventional presentation and usually progressive social justice flavor of politics. But Fetterman... Uh, released the statement on Friday, disclosing more information about his heart condition after he suffered a stroke on the campaign trail last month. As it turns out, Fetterman had a heart condition that he had had ignored for about five years, despite doctors' recommendations. You know who's a heart doctor, by the way. Who? That Dr. Oz. Oh, right. He could help if there's any problems, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway. Now, I'm sure he
1: would. Oh, I'm fast. sure. No
0: doubt. Uh, now it's uh, caught up to Fetterman, unfortunately, at a very bad time. Reportedly, he, he is, he is uh, uh, healing, getting better. He's reportedly out walking several miles a day, reportedly, according to his campaign. That's good. Uh, but apparently he's still having trouble communicating effectively. As of now, his campaign says he should be back on the trail in July, but we will see. Democrats are very concerned right now. So fingers crossed there, as frankly, this should be an easy-ish pickup for Democrats in November if Fetterman can get his health back up to snuff for campaigning, Uh, presumably presumably for campaigning against Oz once the statewide recount is officially completed as of Tuesday, I believe. The Pennsylvania primary was originally held on May 17 when the computer-tallied results showed a difference of less than 1,000 votes out of more than 1.3 million cast between Oz and McCormick, or less than one-tenth of one percentage point. Meanwhile, in Texas which held its primary runoff on uh, uh, runoffs, I should say, on May 24, a progressive Democratic challenger there in a U.S. House race, a challenger to a longtime right wing Democratic congressman continues and uh, also a moderate Democratic challenge to a progressive Democratic House candidate also continues in Texas. Let's hit both of them here very quickly. Progressive candidate Jessica Cisneros announced on Monday she will request a recount in the hard fought Democratic primary runoff against U.S. Congressman Henry Cuellar after she finished 281 votes behind him, according to the final canvas of all votes cast in the May 24 runoff in Texas's 28th congressional district, which stretches from San Antonio. All the way down to the border with Mexico, which is quite a distance.
1: <laughs> that's putting it mildly. For
0: those uh, who are familiar with Texas, as Desi Doyen is. Uh, so that's the ridiculous uh, uh, district drawn there in the 28th. Cisneros, endorsed by the likes of uh, progressives like Bernie Sanders, Alexandra Ocasio Cortez, she officially filed for that recount on Tuesday. Uh, She was easily within the um, 10 percentage point uh, limit that would allow her to ask for and pay for a recount in her race. Cisneros said in a statement on Monday with just under 0.6 percent of this vote, symbolizing such stark differences for the future of South Texas. I owe it to our community to see this through to the end. Good for her. Indeed. Uh, now, whether she gets a hand count or a machine count is unclear to me. If it's a machine count, well, it's worth the uh, machine that it's counted on, I guess. But in fact, Cuellar, the sitting congressman, the sitting Democrat, is a pro-gun, anti-abortion Democrat, one of the very few left in the party. So good for Cisneros for stepping up here to make sure that all the votes are counted as cast. Cuellar, meanwhile, declared victory on the night of the runoff election two weeks ago when the count had him up at that point by just 177 votes (laughs) out of about 45,000 that were cast. And, you know, I find those kind of declarations of victory... And we see this a lot. We've seen this. It sort of goes back, I think, to George W. Bush in 2000, as I recall. it. You know, if you're up by two votes, well, that's enough. I'm the I'm the winner. It's time to move on. Anyway, that's what Quayar, a Democrat, did, you know, before before even all the votes were counted. And, you know, I just find that sort of thing in these very close races to be obnoxious and disrespectful of the electorate. But never mind that. Uh, Cuellar has since built on his uh, election night lead after mail and provisional ballots were counted in uh, strongholds for him in, in two different counties. In a statement after Cisneros uh, announced on Monday that she would file for a recount, Cuellar said, quote, My opponent has every legal right to call for a recount, though she has previously stated that she won't stop fighting until every vote has been counted. Well, every vote has been counted, he said claiming, quote, she has no path to victory and will not gain 281 votes. I welcome this process as it will only further verify our victory. Well, I hope it does. He may be right. But it should be noted that when Cuellar first went to Congress himself when he was elected in 2004, he did so after a recount with his Democratic opponent In a primary that he originally himself had lost, lost by 145 votes, only to end up winning by just 58 votes. Oh,
1: really? Yes.
0: So it's kind of obnoxious to make these sort (laughs) of statements. It's offensive at that point. Yeah, right. In his own uh, against his own opponent in a Democratic race. Anyway, uh, since the uh, runoff election, Cisneros and allies uh, with the progressive Justice Democrats group have been fundraising for a potential recount. If Cisneros is still trailing after the recount, well, her campaign will have to pay for the full cost of the recount. If she has more votes, however, and is declared the winner... She will actually receive her deposit back. That's approximately $28,000 is the deposit for this uh, for the recount. And then the counties will pay for any additional staffing fees that would otherwise be charged to her and her campaign. Cisneros challenged Cuellar in 2020. Two years ago, she lost by four percentage points that year. And then she forced a runoff during the March primary by holding Cuellar under 50 percent. And yeah, in that 2004 race that Cuellar won by 58 votes, it was also his second attempt at defeating his Democratic opponent at the time. So the hypocrisy here runs very deep. Oh, indeed it does.
1: And, you know, I have to say the high cost of conducting a recount, the fact that Texas charges the candidates for that, I think it's a huge disincentive to ensuring accuracy of the tally.
0: Well, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Texas that is a huge disincentive <laughs> to assure the accuracy of the tally. True. More, more, uh, more to the point to uh, disincentivize the public knowing if the, uh, uh, the, the tally was accurate in the first place. Yeah. Anyway, the winner of, uh, of that runoff ultimately in uh, the 28th district we're going to face Republican candidate Cassie Garcia in the fall. Uh, But that is not the only Dem-on-Dem U.S. House contest that is still in play in the Lone Star State two weeks after the runoff election. Another Democrat in a key South Texas congressional race, Ruben Ramirez, also said on Monday that he will ask for a recount, as well he should. He finished just 30 votes behind progressive candidate Michelle Vallejo, who uh, for the uh, for the open seat in the state's. 15th district. So 30 votes out of about 12,000 that were cast, or two tenths of a percentage point after all the votes were tallied. That uh, district also runs, by the way, ridiculously, but hey, it's Texas, from east of San Antonio all the way down to the border. Oh
1: my God. <laughs> really? Yeah. I hadn't looked at that one. That's nuts.
0: Yeah. Vallejo, who uh, emerged from election night with a 20 with just 23 vote lead that's since grown to 30 votes, uh, already declared victory last week as counties were tallying their final ballots, padding her margin. Yeah, she picked up seven votes. The uh, recounts in both cases uh, mean that it will be several weeks before an undisputed undisputed winner emerges in each of those runoffs. Uh, the 15th District matchup had been closely watched because the uh, two candidates there are vying to be the Democratic nominee in what's expected to be the most competitive congressional race this fall in Texas. Ramirez ran against a moderate, uh, ran as a moderate, and Vallejo as a progressive. Republicans already picked their nominee, that's Monica de la Cruz, in the uh, in the March primary. The seat is open after the incumbent Democratic congressman, Vincente Gonzalez, chose to run for re-election in a neighboring district due to redistricting in Texas. While the Cuellar Cisneros race is likely to end up with a Democrat in the seat no matter who ends up winning, that's not necessarily the case in the newly drawn 15th district, where Democrats could lose... A House seat that they currently hold, thanks in no small part to, yes, Republican gerrymandering in the state. And, of course, the Democrats' ability to hold their majority in the U.S. House, their very slim majority right now, to hold that at all in uh, this November is made none the easier by GOP gerrymandering in that state and in a whole bunch of others that we've been following in recent months we got a bit more news on that front today. Yes, all of this, uh, all of this redistricting is still not settled. Uh, and this news is not necessarily good news for, uh, for Democrats or for democracy, for that matter. Late last week, while we were enjoying some downtime, the Florida Supreme Court refused on Thursday to step into a challenge To a new map of the state's 28 congressional districts that were approved by the Republican state legislature, paving the way for November elections to be based on districts that a lower court in Florida had said diluted the voting power of black residents in violation of the state constitution. But apparently now... The Florida Supreme Court is just fine with that. Not a problem. Diluting the voting power of black residents? Even though the state constitution says that must not happen? Well, you know, stuff happens. The uh, state Supreme Court's two-sentence denial said that it was premature for the justices to intervene in a suit seeking to overturn the congressional map because the case had not yet wound its way through the state court system, which could take months or even years. But really, you know, what's the rush? Just because there's an election on these new maps, maps found to be in violation of the state's own constitution, An election happening this November with primary elections in August. No big deal. They'll get to that whole constitutionality thing eventually. Maybe. The new House map was uh, personally ordered by Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican, after he had vetoed a map that was drawn by the Republican-controlled state legislature. The new map dismantles a House district held by Congressman Al Lawson, an African-American Democrat, and strongly boosts Republican odds of capturing other competitive House seats in the state. Again, just so you understand, the GOP state legislature had already drawn up their own gerrymander for the state, but it wasn't gerrymandered enough for Republican Governor Ron DeSantis who ordered an even more gerrymandered map for the state, a state which he originally won, by the way, in his own statewide election uh, back in 2018 by less than one half of one percentage point—a bit over 30,000 votes out of more than 8.2 million cast across the state. That's how closely the state was divided in 2018. Now, in 2020. Donald Trump reportedly did a little bit better statewide, carrying Florida by 3.3 percentage points, Uh, still a very close race. But in the new congressional map ordered by DeSantis and subsequently found to be in violation of the state's constitution, which the state Supreme Court has said, go ahead, use it anyway, Well, this uh, new map that looks like it's going to be used, uh, Trump was favored by a majority of voters in 20 of the 28 districts that were drawn. In other words, under this new map, Republicans stand to gain four new GOP-leaning seats in an already previously gerrymandered state. And that may, uh, well, likely mean that the state will have 20 Republican House members to just eight Democratic House members, a 20 to 8 advantage in the U.S. House delegation in a state that Republicans just barely won statewide in 2020. Voting rights groups had argued that the map blatantly ignored an amendment to the state constitution that was approved by voters in 2010 outlawing partisan mapmaking and specifically barred the creation of districts that diminished the ability of minority voters to elect their chosen candidates. But never mind the state constitution. A lower court actually, you know, paid attention to the state constitution and agreed that this map was unlawful, unconstitutional, but apparently when it comes to DeSantis' own gerrymandered state supreme court, well... What does it matter what the voters of Florida overwhelmingly voted to include in their own state constitution? They'll get to that later, maybe, after Republicans, you know, steal a few more seats in the U.S. House for the next two years or so.
1: Good luck ever trying to vote out a Republican in Florida. They are really trying to engineer a permanent power.
0: That's what they do. A uh, lower court had blocked that Republican map from taking effect last month which were reported as good news at the time. They substituted a map drawn by a Harvard University redistricting expert. But the uh, state's first district court of appeals later lifted that stay, saying that the judge had exceeded his authority by ordering, you know, an actually fair map. The Supreme Court ruling on Thursday last week rebuffs a request to overturn the appeals court decision, leaving DeSantis' extreme gerrymander in place For this year, most likely, University of California, Irvine election law expert Rick Hassan said, quote, at this point, it seems hard to see congressional maps being upset for this November, especially given the U.S. Supreme Court's repeated admonitions to federal courts to hold back on changes to election laws in the period close to the election. That, of course, is an admonition Uh, that the GOP's corrupt and stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court tends to follow, well, whenever they feel like it, and they ignore uh, whenever they want to, allowing gerrymandered maps to stay in place for Republicans, blocking lower federal courts who find state maps to be unlawful gerrymanders. The Florida Supreme Court now apparently seems to be taking their cues from From that stolen U.S. Supreme Court, Uh, what's a little unconstitutionality after all when it favors our party in an election? We've seen quite a bit of that this cycle. Just a few examples. In addition to Florida, the Kansas Supreme Court overruled a lower court finding that had declared a GOP drawn map to be an unconstitutional gerrymander in Alabama. The U.S. Supreme Court reinstated a map that was drawn by Republicans that a federal lower federal court had said diluted the power of black voters. Sound familiar? And uh, that lower court had ordered an additional black majority district to be drawn. But SCOTUS had no problem blocking that order, no matter how close it came to this year's elections. The state Supreme Court. In Ohio, is planning to hold a hearing on a new GOP-friendly map sometime after May 3, the May 3 primary, uh, which used the state's GOP gerrymandered map for the critical 2022 cycle while they decide if it's fair or constitutional. Go ahead, hold that uh, primary, use those uh, gerrymandered maps, and, and we'll figure all of this out later. In Louisiana, however, late on Monday night, There was some potentially better news for Democrats, at least until the U.S. Supreme Court decides to jump in and tell the lower courts, it's too late for you to do this. Louisiana's Democratic governor said on Monday that he will call the Republican dominated legislature back into special session to draw up new congressional district boundaries now that a federal judge has blocked use of maps that have only one majority black district. Governor John Bell Edwards spoke to reporters minutes after the regular legislative session ended for the year and a few hours after U.S. District Judge Shelley Dick, also in Baton Rouge, blocked the use of these new maps. Her ruling included an order that the legislature draw up a remedial plan by June 20. Governor Edwards whose veto of the previous maps was overridden by GOP lawmakers earlier this year, said there should have been a second majority black district among the six districts that were approved, noting that the state's population is almost one third black. So just to help you there with the math, one third black, but the existing map had just one out of six congressional districts, with a black majority. Governor Edwards said redrawing the redistrict lines is required by the court order, by the Voting Rights Act, and by quote, basic fairness and basic math. Well, pushaw. <laughs> a court order, the Voting Rights Act, basic fairness. What year does this guy think he is living in? Uh, lawyers for the Republican Secretary of State in Louisiana, Kyle Orduan, Orduan, he's the state's top elected official, swiftly filed a notice of appeal of the judge's order. Her uh, June 20 deadline for drawing new district lines is one month before the sign up period for the November 8 congressional election. The uh, judge wrote, if the legislature is unable to pass a remedial plan by that date, the court will issue additional orders to enact a remedial plan compliant with the laws and Constitution of the United States. How quaint. The Secretary of State, the GOP Secretary of State, filed a notice of appeal with the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans which is often described as the most right-wing appeals court in the nation. So, in fact, while the news today is pretty good, I predict that the 5th uh, U.S. Court of Appeals, and I don't do predictions, but <laughs> I'm doing one here, I predict that they will s- stay or just outright kill the lower court's order. We'll see. Ultimately, the case could wind up before the Supreme Court which, uh, as noted earlier this year, put on hold that similar court ruling that Alabama must draw new congressional districts before the 2022 elections to increase black voting power. For now, in blocking the use of the map in Louisiana, the U.S. District Court judge said those filing the lawsuit against the current map were, in fact, likely to prevail with their argument that the new districts violate the Federal Voting Rights Act. She blocked the secretary of state from conducting any elections using the new map. Uh, Enjoy it while it lasts, Democrats. As I said, if I was a betting man, I'd say her ruling will be struck down before week's end.
1: Mm, You're probably right. Well,
0: I hope I would like to lose that bet. But I think the lesson here is, at least for Republicans, is wait as long as possible To draw your maps so that when they are found to be unconstitutional, the U.S. Supreme Court's made up out of whole cloth ruling that we can't make any changes too close to elections. Wait for that to kick in. Uh, Anyway, quick break here. More GOP undermining of American democracy is next on the broadcast as a new exclusive report finds that secret GOP intrusion into voting systems following the 2020 election was even even worse than previously known. That's straight ahead, along with, oh, Desi Doyen's latest Green News reports. Yay! Right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman.
1: Hey, this is Desi. The broadcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com/donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com/donate, and thanks. Where have we been?
0: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. The Bradcast, your democracy headquarters, apparently. We have been uh, covering for some months now the disturbing cases of GOP election insiders in a whole bunch of states like Mesa County, Colorado's county clerk, Tina Peters. And the uh, Republican Board of Elections in Coffee County, Georgia, allowing or causing secret access of voting systems, voting system software following the 2020 elections, making copies of hard drives and, and, and proprietary software in a supposed hunt for malware or some sort of sign that voting systems were somehow gamed in Democrats favor in 2020. So far, uh, they have found no such evidence. But in the meantime, they have stolen incredibly sensitive proprietary software, which arguably we should not even be using in the first place to run elections. But they've stolen this sensitive software. They've made it available to outsiders, which in turn could make it easier for bad guys or insider GOP election officials to manipulate or hack future Elections. But today, as uh, Reuters reports in an exclusive, we learn that these incidents in the great state of Michigan were far broader than previously known. Although the good news here is that with a Democratic secretary of state and attorney general and governor in Michigan, maybe just maybe there could be some accountability for what appears at least to be a very broad conspiracy afoot when you put it all together. As Reuters reports today, state police in Michigan have obtained warrants to seize voting equipment and election-related records in at least three towns and one county over the past six weeks alone, according to police records, widening the largest known investigation into unauthorized attempts by allies of former President Trump to access voting systems. Now, we've all been sort of waiting for Georgia's Fulton County prosecutor, Fonnie Willis, to bring an election fraud conspiracy case against Trump and his clan. But this reporting suggests that Michigan officials could actually beat her to the punch, potentially. Hmm. The previously unreported records, according to Reuters, include search warrants and investigator memos obtained by Reuters through public records requests. The documents reveal a flurry of efforts by state authorities to secure voting machines and poll books and data storage devices and phone records as evidence in a probe that was launched in mid-February of this year. The state's investigation is probing breaches of local election systems in Michigan by Republican officials and other pro-Trump activists trying to prove his baseless claims of widespread fraud in 2020.
1: So they're breaking the law to try to ferret out breaking the law. Correct. Okay.
0: The police documents reveal, for example, among other things, that the state is investigating a potential breach of voting equipment in Lake Township, a small, largely Republican community in northern Michigan's Missaukee County. The previously unreported case is one of at least 17 incidents nationwide, including 11 of them in Michigan. 11 of them. Wow. In which Trump supporters gained or attempted to gain unauthorized access to voting equipment. The search warrants also authorized state police to seize election equipment in Barry County. By the way, I think uh, I forgot to look it up, but I, as I recall, it's it, Biden won Michigan by something like 185,000 votes. Anyway, the search warrants also authorized state police to seize election equipment in Barry County's Irving Township, and to have it examined. Local officials acknowledged publicly last month that state police had raided the township office on uh, April 29. A day after the warrant was issued, additionally, the records shed new light on election equipment breaches in Roscommon County. One official in the county's Richfield Township told investigators that he gave he gave two vote counting tabulators to an unauthorized and unidentified third party who kept them for several weeks, several weeks in early 2021. The county cl- county's clerk acknowledged that she, too, handed over equipment to unauthorized people. My goodness. These are actual officials who just gave away the county's voting systems to outsiders. Sure, take them. Do whatever you want with them. Whatever. We don't care. We're only the elected officials meant to protect the sanctity of our county's elections. But, you know, have at it. And, you know, don't forget to give them back or something if you feel like it at some point. We if won't, you get around to yeah, it. Yeah, we won't bother to look, by the way, if you added any malware to them while you had them for several weeks. Man, Michigan's Democratic Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson told Reuters that the state is investigating whether the election system breaches are coordinated. And this is key. She said in an interview, if there is coordination, and you know there is... You know, these folks didn't just independently come up with these ideas.
1: Yeah, they're a little too specific across too many jurisdictions.
0: (laughs) If there is coordination, she said, whether it's among those in our, our state or reaching up to a national level, we can determine that and we can seek accountability for all involved, said Benson. On February 10, she announced that she had asked Michigan's Attorney General, Democrat Dana Nessel, to begin a criminal investigation, citing information that state authorities had received about unauthorized access to voting machines and data in Roscommon County. In separate inquiries... State or local law enforcement officials have investigated security breaches involving voting equipment in Cross Village Township in Emmett County and Adams Township in Hillside County last year, all over the state. I have uh, personally been watching that incident in Cross Village Township in Emmett County for some weeks. There's a whole bunch of video uh, on this about what happened I've been, you know, sort of trying to f- make sense of it after a tip-off from a listener there which, you know, it was difficult to make sense of for a number of reasons. Among them, the village only has about 300 voters. And it's a very Republican part of the state. So, why they would want to, you know, get into these computers and, you know, find evidence of wrongdoing in these tiny townships where Donald Trump easily won? Trump easily won all of the counties where these breaches or these attempted breaches in Michigan have been alleged. The results in those jurisdictions were affirmed by multiple audits and an investigation by the Republican-controlled state Senate, according to Reuters. That state Senate, Republican-controlled, found no evidence of widespread fraud. Again, this is the GOP controlled state Senate, which did a multi month investigation of all of these claims of fraud in Michigan. And then they came back with a detailed, lengthy and scathing report, finding not only no evidence of fraud, but they called on those who were claiming as much to be prosecuted for carrying out their own fraud in in the matter. That was the Republican state Senate in, uh, in, in Michigan. But some GOP activists and officials pushing election fraud conspiracy theories claim that uh, Trump's margin should have been larger in those <laughs> GOP areas, really. These are areas that Trump won by 20 or 30 or 50, even 60 points in some cases. And their efforts are still roiling communities across the state. In rural Berry County, Republican sheriff Dar Leaf has teamed up with proponents of the debunked claims that the voting machines were rigged against Trump Sheriff Leaf is pursuing his own investigation despite being urged last year by Republican County prosecutor to suspend it because of No evidence. Trump won that county by a two to one margin. In recent weeks, Leaf's office has sent expansive public records requests to the county's township and city clerks seeking an array of election related records. The requests were condemned by clerks and local officials in Reuters interviews and public statements as baseless and burdensome. An editorial in the local paper called Leaf's probe, quote, a waste of time and affront to our citizens. He, uh, the sheriff, did not respond to requests for comments. In an interview with Reuters in February, Leaf defended the investigation, said he was "quote concerned by theories that voting machines nationwide were rigged to favor Biden." And "quote We need to know if that happened in Barry County." So let me say this. Uh, This is the fruit of the poison tree of secret vote counting. This is what happens when we use secret proprietary software on computers to count votes in secret instead of publicly, by hand, in front of everyone. This is what I have been railing about, warning against for so many years with the systems we now use. None of this should be a surprise at this point to anyone. At least in this case, the sheriff filed public records requests. Public records requests—that's fine. That's one thing. I'm sorry if they're burdensome, as as the county uh, reported it. But this is what happens when you count votes this way, especially these counties, you know, where they've got, you know, 300 voters. You mean to tell me they can't count by hand? They have to have expensive computers to do it? So you know, public records requests are one thing. And, uh, you know, the idea that we need to know, we concerned about these theories, that I understand. But getting inappropriate access in secret to voting and tabulation systems, that is an entirely different matter. That, in fact, is a criminal matter. The records obtained by Reuters shows that in Lake Township, for example, of a community of about 2,800 people, in Misaki County, state police obtained a warrant in April to search the clerk's office for evidence of potential violations of election law. Misaki County, where Trump won in 2020 with 76 percent of the vote is home to Dare Rendon, a Republican state lawmaker who has embraced the bogus claim that widespread fraud robbed Trump of a victory in 2020. Rendon approached multiple clerks in her district asking them to give people seeking fraud evidence access to their voting equipment. And apparently uh, they did. State police are stepping up an examination of alleged breaches in Roscommon County. In February, Secretary of State Benson said unauthorized people gained inappropriate access to tabulation machines and data drives used in the county and in one of its town uh, townships. That's Richfield. The state police records show that investigators are probing allegations that the Richfield township supervisor allowed a, quote, third party to take possession of the town's two ballot tabulators for several weeks In early 2021, this happened all over the state. And now state investigators are looking into it and Reuters is looking into the state investigators investigations. I would expect more to come out of this. Because in the meantime, all of this is costing a lot of money, not just a lot of taxpayer money, not just to the investigations that have to look into this, but in replacing all of this voting equipment that has been tampered with and accessed by unauthorized individuals. All of it has to be replaced because it's impossible to know if they have placed some sort of malware on those systems. Not without extensive testing that would cost more than just buying new systems. Well, the voting machine companies are happy about that. Where is all of this going? I do not know yet. But it is difficult to believe that this is not... A coordinated conspiracy at some level.
1: It does smack of a sort of of national coordination.
0: If it is, I, I will look forward to criminal charges, either at the state or the federal level at this point, because it's difficult to believe also that, you know, it was just a few folks in Michigan who came up with this idea on their own. This could go to a national level, and luckily in Michigan, you've got law enforcement officials who are willing to take it to the federal level if need be. Let's just hope the Department of Justice is willing to do so as well. This story, I suspect, will continue. Good work over at Reuters digging into it. In the meantime, quick break, and we are back with Green News Report. That's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. With you. Okay, no time for chit-chat because <laughs> not only am I trying to catch up with a whole bunch of stuff we missed while taking yeah. a few days off, <laughs> so is Desi in her
1: latest Green News Report. Get your stuff in order. Get ready for hurricane season. While we were out, hurricane season kicks off on both coasts with Alex and Agatha atmospheric CO2 now at highest level in human history, plus the president is going to invoke the Defense Production Act. To manufacture more of these solar parts panels in the U.S., Biden makes big moves on solar tariffs and
0: clean energy. All of those big moves and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. They want to know when you're eating. They want to know if you're eating a cheeseburger, which is very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. Yes he does in a peach tree dish once again this is your marjorie taylor green news report okay desi doyan just before we left you warned everyone that hurricane season began on june 1 and now sure enough june is here Boom. Here come all the hurricanes.
1: Indeed. In the Pacific, Hurricane Agatha hit southern Mexico, setting a new record as the earliest Category 2 hurricane to hit the Pacific coast since record keeping began in the 1940s. On the East Coast, Tropical Storm Alex, the first named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season, hit Florida and Bermuda over the weekend, dumping a month's worth of rain in just 36 hours on Miami, causing widespread flooding that triggered sewer Overflows and no swimming advisories. And
0: just to be clear, both of these were the A named storms and Both of them made landfall.
1: Indeed. Not a good sign. Uh, It is forecast to be a busy hurricane season, and new research concludes that man-made global warming has contributed to a decisive increase in Atlantic hurricane activity over the last 40 years, doubling the risk of extreme seasons like we saw in 2020. While we were out, Russia halted natural gas shipments to the Netherlands for refusing Russia's new demand to pay in rubles to fund its invasion of Ukraine. The European Union agreed to phase out imports of Russian oil by the end of the year. But pipeline deliveries are exempt. That's a concession to Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, a close ally of Russian President Vladimir Putin. But EU countries like Germany and Poland said they'll end those pipeline imports ports anyway. Good. Carbon dioxide has hit the highest levels in all of human history.
0: Not as good.
1: Thanks to humanity's burning of fossil fuels and further pushing the planet into conditions not experienced in millions of years. CO2 levels are now at 421 parts per million in the atmosphere. That's 50% higher than during the pre-industrial age, according to NOAA. There's now more CO2 in the atmosphere than at any time in at least four million years co2 is a primary driver of human-caused global warming and is already causing severe consequences
0: 421 parts per million yes i'm old enough to remember when everyone was terrified that we would hit 400 parts per million
1: and humanity is putting ever more co2 into the atmosphere every single year Some good news for things that breathe in Pennsylvania. The Biden EPA has moved to set more stringent limits on nitrous oxide pollution from five coal-fired power plants in Pennsylvania that generate toxic smog. The Biden Interior Department has approved the construction of a new 400-mile high-voltage transmission line to deliver clean, renewable energy across three western states, which is crucial to President Biden's goal of decarbonizing the U.S. electricity sector by 2035.
0: That's very cool. That means we can use solar power in one place and transport that electricity hundreds and hundreds of miles away.
1: Exactly. Nice. And finally, solar stocks rose after the Biden administration on Monday announced it will waive import tariffs on solar panels for two years. That move is related to a Commerce Department probe into possible trade violations by China that in turn has stalled solar projects across the U.S. The Commerce Department is investigating whether China is dodging U.S. restrictions by dumping below-cost solar components into other Southeast Asian countries Mm. that then sell into the U.S., In a separate move, Biden also invoked the Defense Production Act to expand U.S. manufacturing of solar components, insulation for buildings, electric transformers for grid stability, and clean tech like electrolyzers and fuel cells. Biden also moved to increase domestic production of super-efficient, energy-saving, all-electric heat pumps. That was the brainchild of author and activist Bill McKibben. On a recent broadcast, McKibben said accelerating the switch." to heat pumps undercuts Russia's energy blackmail by saving energy.
0: Anything that we can do to get even a few million homes uh, uh, off that gas before next October is a big blow to Putin. Nice. Well, I'm glad that's finally happening, at least. We ought to leave town more often. (laughs) For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman.
1: And I'm Desi Doyen. And this
0: has been... Your Green News Report. Yo,
1: pump up the jam, pump it up, pump it up, yo, pump it up, pump it up, pump it
0: up, yo, pump
1: it up, yo, pump it up.
0: Good news on those heat pumps.
1: Keep pump. Pump up that jam.
0: There you go. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, another news-packed Green News Report. Desi Doyen, our producer, and thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com where all of our shows are available to you, all of which is made possible by those of you kind enough to help us stay on your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us alive and fed and clothed and stuff like that. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You will find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the TheBradBlog. We will see you there at all of the above until we see you here next time with probably results from Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, Sandy, South Dakota, and California. <laughs> On our next broadcast, until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.